Uh, thank you, Jill and Keith. And Keith is getting uh, healthier, and so he can read longer. So it's great to see. Uh, do keep these um, uh, Bible readings with you, and you'll also see I've got a talk outline. Um, I thought that might be of help, so you know where we're going. And if that's helpful, do let me know. Uh, let's pray and ask God to help us. Uh, Father God, thank you so much for all that you give us, and we thank you uh, for the gospel, that it is not just for one nationality, it's not just for one area, it's not just for one time, but it is for all people of all places of all time, and we thank you that it is all about Jesus. Uh, help us as we come to this familiar passage to think about what we're doing, uh, help me to preach clearly, and help us to see why Jesus' ascension is so important for the spread of the gospel. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, how do you get something to spread? Now, some of you might be thinking about breakfast, you know, that hard butter that you have to somehow manage to spread on the toast. Some of you might be thinking about your paddocks. How do you spread that wonderful uh, pivot fertiliser? Or you might be thinking about the spread of toxic or noxious weeds. Or you might even be sick of hearing about the spread of a certain virus. Today we're talking about the spread of the good news, the gospel of Jesus. Now in the history of news, it's always bad news that makes a bigger impact, isn't it? Journalists always focus on bad news because that gets the people's uh, thing. And we see, you know, the current news cycle. What do we keep hearing again and again Side effects, side effects. It's this ongoing thing, isn't it? But the good news is completely different. Because the good news isn't about us, it isn't about what we do. The good news, the gospel, is all about Jesus. And the gospel has eternal consequences. That's not just for today or for this week. The gospel changes our eternity. The message of Jesus' death and his resurrection. How people can have eternal life, go to heaven. Now this week we're looking at Luke's account of the resurrected Jesus. Um, the Bible reading and the talk outlines are there. Last week we were at uh, end of Matthew um, and Jesus' words, the Great Commission. Such a great encouragement, Jesus said, All authority has been given to me, so go and make disciples. And I will be with you to the end of the age. Go and make disciples of all nations. Now Luke wrote um, the Gospel of Luke and Acts. And they're like the volume 1 and 2 of Jesus' ministry on earth. And it's good to make clear that they're actually linked. There's two books. And that's why we have the two readings. Uh, our, our first point on the outline. Now Luke explains why he wrote his Gospel in the first chapter, Luke chapter 1, verse 3, uh, that Theophilus, his excellent friend, may have an ordered account and know for certain what he's been taught about Jesus. At the end of his gospel, he records Jesus' words and how Jesus fulfilled scripture. And that's at the top of our Bible reading. Uh, Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament scripture that predicted that he would suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And Luke also says that it's the gospel, the gospel being repentance for the forgiveness of sins through Jesus. And this gospel is to be proclaimed in Jerusalem first, 
and then to all nations. But they are to wait for the Holy Spirit. And as he writes, when they wait for him, they'll be clothed with power on a high. And then at the end of Luke, it's a summary of what Jesus did after the resurrection. So this paragraph, it's like a summary. It's a a one-point summary, whereas Acts chapter 1 is a more detailed explanation. Now, as we saw in the kids' talk, the most spectacular thing about it is Jesus' ascension. One moment Jesus is speaking to his disciples, the next he's being lifted up and he disappears. Now the obvious question is, why did he go up? Why did he go up as opposed to just disappearing or walking off into the sunset? Well, going up indicates heaven, where he is. Now, just to clarify, right, it's an indication, it's not an exact location. Because, of course, heaven is the spiritual realm. It's, it's um, not so much the physical realm. You know, you remember those first astronauts that went out into space and they looked around and they said, well, there's no heaven here. Well, it's because they're looking at the physical It's a spiritual realm. So he ascends, it's representing that he's now in heaven. The Bible speaks about heaven and hell. It speaks about heaven above and hell below. That doesn't mean necessarily that hell is physically in the centre of the earth, although it could, but hell, like heaven, is in the spiritual realm. We can't see it, we can't access it because we're physical people. Now, part of the reason why the ascension is so important is because it shows that Jesus is above. Jesus ascends to the heavenly throne. He is now at the right hand of God's throne. He is the king of kings. He is the ruler over all, over all peoples, over all lands, over all places, even far space. And it's also a great reminder that when we pray, we pray to God the Father through Jesus, in Jesus' name. Jesus on the right hand of the throne speaks to his Father on our behalf. Now the disciples, they ask Jesus a very obvious question. We see that in verse 6. So when they came together, they asked him, Lord... Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now it shows that they don't quite understand the kingdom of God. They think the kingdom, like you know, the Commonwealth or other kingdoms, is a physical place. And they think Israel is central to the kingdom, like it was in the Old Testament, that it's basically God's kingdom is just Israel. And they also think that they want this kingdom to come immediately and jesus reply explains that god's kingdom is so much bigger than what they're thinking verse 7 he said to them it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the father has fixed by his authority but you will receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in jerusalem in all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, it's important for us to understand that they will not know God's timing. 
Now, as humans, we always want to know, don't we? When will God do this or that? When will revival happen? When will Jesus return? And a lot of people can get caught up trying to find exact dates and times, trying to determine, but it's really, be rude, it's a waste of time. What's important is not to find out when Jesus will return, but to be ready, because he can turn up at any time. And Jesus then explains that they will receive a gift. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Now, God's Spirit will dwell on you and enable you to expand God's kingdom. And notice the reason for the Holy Spirit. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit isn't given so that they can have fun or that they can have better lives or their lives can be more exciting. It's not for them. It's the Holy Spirit is given to help expand and grow God's kingdom. Start at Jerusalem and move outwards. And we later read in Acts that it's persecution that quickens the spread of the gospel. But also they need to get on with the mission. We read in verse 9, And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go up into heaven. Now, isn't it striking you? It's a bit striking. They've seen the most spectacular thing ever. Jesus being lifted up and they're like wow haven't seen that before and they're watching maybe they're a bit dumbfounded maybe they're in awe maybe they're seeing is he is he coming back or is he gone for good and then two angels appear and tell them come on boys stop looking get on with it and what what are the angels there for well they're affirming that jesus has left he's not coming back But they're also saying he will return the same way, but not today. Stop looking, get on with it. You know, when we have our final goodbyes, we wave goodbye. And, you know, and if it's going to be a particular long time, we often, we, you know, if our friends or family are leaving on the car, you keep waving until the car goes around the corner or the bus or the train or if you're little the plane because you think as a little person the plane they can still see you but they can't but you don't tell the kids that because that'll be upsetting this is it jesus is gone yeah and we read in acts that the apostles waited a number of days and the holy spirit came on them that the house are in shook wind came fire was there and they became bold witnesses for jesus in jerusalem and they then went to Judea, which is the, kind of like the state around Jerusalem. And then Samaria, which is like the enemies, the ones that they get along with. And then throughout the Roman Empire. And the last chapter of Acts, Paul is in Rome. And so you can see that the gospel isn't just about Israel. It's not one nation, it's about all nations. Starts in Jerusalem, moves on even to hostile places like Samaria. To the ends of the earth, 
even to a place called Ballarat at the opposite end of the earth. So what's the significance for Jesus' ascension for us here at the ends of the earth? Well, a lot of it is the same, isn't it? Jesus is our risen Lord. He's ascended in the heavens. He is at his Father's side. He intercedes on our behalf. We, as Matt said, we believe in Jesus. We believe in God the Father and the Holy Spirit. Jesus is our ruler. It's such great comfort to us. But also a great reminder that he's the one in control. He's watching from on high. And it's his kingdom that he's enabling him to grow. Now here's the thing that often we forget, isn't it? The church is not a human organisation. The church is God's people. We're not on our own working it out. God is working through us. The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts people of their need for Jesus. We can't convince anyone. We can make them feel guilty or bad or we can, you know, pressure them. But it's the Holy Spirit and him alone that actually helps people to know that they are sinners in need of saving. And it's God's kingdom. It's not our kingdom. Uh, I, I tried to watch a little bit of the service last night, but my, my phone wouldn't work, so I just went to sleep. But, you know, even a wonderful man, a servant like um, Prince Philip, his reign comes to an end, doesn't it? And everyone's now worried about Queen Elizabeth. What happens when her reign finishes? But that's a wonderful thing about Jesus. His reign will never finish. He will never come to that point where we're like, oh, it's all over. Jesus' reign is forever. He is the King of Kings. And so for us as a church, we never have to fear. But it's also very humbling, isn't it? Because it's not about how clever we are or how talented we are. It's God's Holy Spirit is the one transforming lives. It's also that great reminder, we are totally dependent on prayer. We need God's help. Because no, no matter how spectacular our ESL or play group or youth group or any other group that we start, unless we're depending on God on prayer, it won't work. It's not our strength or wisdom, it's God's strength. It's not our planning or strategy, it's by God's grace. Everything we have is by God's grace. Everything we're able to do and achieve is through God's grace. What a wonderful thing. The pressure is not on us, but we have to pray. We have the responsibility to reaching all nations. Now let's just change Acts 1 and verse 7 for our location. Jerusalem for us is Ballarat. That's the centre of the world, is it not? Judea is Victoria. Samaria is those that live close to us that we don't get on with, but I'm not going to say who that is. The ends of the earth for us is Europe and beyond. Now here's the thing about Acts 1. I remember as a young Christian hearing about the church in Japan and there's like 0.1% of the Japanese population are Christian. 
And for an Australian missionary to go to Japan, it costs over $100,000 a year. And the Japanese church is sending missionaries to Asia and Africa. And I remember I was at this missionary conference and I asked a question, I said, why doesn't the Japanese church just raise its own missionaries? They know the language, they know the culture, they, they live there. It'd be so much more efficient, cheaper, um, more effective to have the missionaries in Japan stay in Japan rather than going elsewhere and why would Australia send missionaries to Japan when it's so expensive? And the answer given to me was it's the implications of Acts 1. You don't just keep your own people in Jerusalem and wherever you live will be the application of that. So if you're in Japan you start in Japan, but you send people to the ends of the earth. Now, I kind of understood what he was saying, but it didn't really make a lot of sense. And a couple of years ago, I saw the implications of Acts 1 work out for me in Warnable. There was a group of us standing outside the Warnable Avatoire. Now, if you don't know, Avatoires have a lot of international people working there. We had the Prezi Theological College, and amongst us, or mainly white Australians, we had one Sudanese brother, one South Korean brother, one Hong Kong brother, and one Aussie brother with a ginger beard like me who spoke really good Mandarin. Now we stood at the gates of the abattoirs and we're trying to speak to all the different workers as they came out. Now they were mainly from Taiwan, South Korea, China and Japan, and also local Australians. Now, really interesting who they wanted to talk to and who they wouldn't talk to. So the Aussies, they didn't want to talk to the Aussies. They're like, ah, oh, yeah, those religious people. But our Sudanese brother, Lamb, ooh, you're Sudanese, yeah, I want to talk to you. The Taiwanese and Chinese, they didn't want to speak to us Aussies, except Jordan, he had a red beard like me and he spoke perfect Mandarin. And you should have seen their faces like, whoa. They wanted to talk to him. The South Koreans, they wanted to speak to the Aussies, but they didn't want to speak to the South Korean because in South Korea, it's the religious cults that evangelise on the streets. And it hit me hard in Warnable, the church needs to be multicultural. It can't just be one type of people. Now let's think about Ballarat. 2016 census, 86% of those living in Ballarat were born in Australia. 14% of those in Ballarat were born overseas. 92% speak English at home, but there are over 850 households that speak Mandarin. It's over 850 homes in Ballarat that speak Chinese. That's not just one or two, there's a number. And then there's over 300 homes in Ballarat that speak Filipino, 246 Bungee, which is Indian, Pakistan, 234 Malayan, 222 Hindu. Now that's homes. There's more than one person living in their homes. You get there's over 2,000 homes in Ballarat with people speaking different languages other than English. And you know what the other thing is? 
there's not that many ESL ministries happening at this stage. So it's really important for us as a church to be reaching out. For us as a church, we can never just be self-interest community. We can never just have this inward focus. For us, we've always got to be reaching out, looking out to those who don't know Jesus. To those who haven't yet become Christians. The gospel is for people of all ages. From our newest member, who's only 12 days old, to our oldest member, who's over 90. And we'll just leave it there. The gospel is for everyone. It doesn't matter what language we speak, doesn't matter how long we've been in Ballarat. With Jesus' help, we'll reach Ballarat, Victoria, to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you that he died on the cross, that he rose from the grave, and that he ascended into heaven. Thank you that he is the king of kings, that he rules over all the earth. And we thank you so much, Lord, that Jesus will return. Father God, that he helps us grow your kingdom. And Lord, we do pray for us that you'd help us to be able to look and to see the need of Jesus in our streets, in the streets we live, in the city that we live, in the state that we live and in the world that is yours. And Father God, we do pray for the ESL ministries starting off this afternoon. We pray for your blessing that you would work in that. But we also pray for all our ministries we pray for the Sunday school, we pray for our growth groups, we pray for our Heather Club and for our PWMU. We pray that you would help all of us to be taking the gospel to all people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.